All righty, we're back here on the Gary H Show, and we are joined now by Randy Zelia of Back Sports Page. Him and I had our nice, uh, long basketball chat. We covered, I think, everything, Randy. we we got to be a little more targeted here, but um, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing okay. Wait, wait, wait. Since we already had our chat, you guys don't need me, right? All right <laughs> No one else heard that. Uh, yeah, no, it was good. I mean, look, we, we went through the Western Conference quite a bit. Um, th- th- let's just start there for a second. I know it's not really the point of today, but I just, I'm just i just curious. You've been following this league a long time like I have. I mean, I can't remember. I've, I can remember a lot of Western Conferences in the regular season where there was like 9 or 10 50-win teams and they were all sort of bunched up. But there was still a clear number one that you knew was better than the rest there were one or sometimes two i gotta tell you right now if you eliminate the three teams that are one loss away from elimination and you just take the warriors the kings the suns the lakers and the nuggets you as far as i'm concerned you could flip a coin five times to decide who wins this thing i have no idea man i've never seen it like this before this could go to any one of those teams well, if you look at just from a pure basketball standpoint and from the way the season has gone, you would have to look at Denver. Like you would always look at Denver yes. and say, look, the most balanced team. They probably play uh, play the best basketball. But it's a superstar league, and the, you know, it's it's sometimes the sexy names will win, and sometimes also about who's hot. You know, like we talked about that with the East uh, and last night with uh, with with Miami. But like, you know, look, the Lakers are getting hot at the right time. Mm-hmm. Uh, LeBron and, and company has done a tremendous job of silencing the Grizzlies and, you know, the Grizzlies who've been, who've had a real up and down season found themselves in the second seed and the Lakers are getting hot at the right time in the West. You know, you have the, the Warriors who I look at them saying, look, look, Andrew Wiggins has been gone all year. Now he's starting to get himself into the game shape and he's obviously their number one, number two option behind Steph Curry. Clay Thompson is uh, sort of put himself in that third scoring role. It's very interesting to see now, who was going to come out of the Western Conference? Looking at the remaining teams, I don't like Phoenix too much. I don't think they have the depth. That's what you get when you when you when you trade for Kevin Durant and you have to mortgage the farm a little bit to get him. You know, you gave up two uh, solid contributors in Mikel Bridges and uh, Cam Johnson, who fit very well with that team. But the problem with the Phoenix Suns has been is they've they've gotten very stale. And you're relying on a very, very old uh, Chris Paul. That was the problem years ago with the Atlanta Hawks. They had young talent in every position except for the point guard position. And it was to the point where Mike Bibby was just not able to do it anymore. You just look around and look around the, 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 the landscape of the NBA and you look around, especially in the Western Conference. If you're asking me now who I think is going to come out, I'm, I'm probably still going to say Denver. But with the Lakers, because they're getting hot, at the right time and matchup wise, the Lakers can just as easily make some noise as well. Well, you so, see, I mean, and I, I always struggle to talk about the Lakers because, you know, obviously they're my favorite team, but I try very hard to be objective about everyone and everything that I, I like and dislike. I think just objectively speaking, Rob Palinka, if Mike Brown is coach of the year, and I think he is and deserved to be so, I think Rob Palenka, based on what he did at the trade deadline and on the waiver wire, should be executive of the year. I mean, he remade this roster on the fly in such a masterful way. I mean, they have so many athletes and versatile players, young legs, difference makers that all fit. They had none of that two months ago, Randy. I mean, he did a a Houdini with this roster. He really did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's always lots of conversations who should be executive of the year those types of things because if you ask them the day before they made that those trades they were they were trying they were going to run them out of town 
So that's, no, that's true. Look, I was one of those. I was one of those people. So um, like, I always, I always, I always say, if you look at the moves that were made at the All Star break, the Lakers were put in a situation to win not just this year, but also be in a position to be successful next year as well. The Phoenix Suns went all in. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dallas Mavericks, I think the Dallas Mavericks made a took a risk. And the risk didn't pay off. The Nets, you know, if you look at from the Nets side of that trade for both the Irving and Durant trades, the Nets won for the future, but for the now, they they hurt themselves. And you know, they're, they're taking a step back. But you look at like all the like you could, we could have gone back and done the trade deadline wins and losses for the remaining teams that are in the Western Conference right now. I think a Denver Lakers Western Conference final is is a huge possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, we discussed it before, Sacramento. Inexperience and injuries are going to catch up to them. The the, the Sacramento, the, sorry, the Golden State Warriors are going to get are starting to get a little hot right at the right time. Uh, plus, they're still the defending champions. Don't forget about that either. Um, so they have a lot. They're going to be playing with a lot of pride. And you know, you just look around the rest of the league and the Phoenix. Like I said, we said Phoenix is going to be struggling to, to figure out the roles of everybody. Durant for next season. You're only going to get about sixty games out of them. Right. To, to start with. So they're in win now mode for the next two to three seasons and then it's over right so you start looking around the, the league I, I know we all it's a win now league same thing with the nfl it's a win now league you also have to start planning your features as well so you know to, to answer your initial question i'm edging denver just because they they've been together all year and they've been doing this all year and it doesn't seem like they've had any moments that have been too big for them yet this year i'm gonna go with i'm gonna stick with denver yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, look, I think Denver is a good choice. Uh, I like them a lot. I like the Lakers. I think those are the. I think that will be the Western Conference Finals. I'm pretty sure about that. Let's let's go over the East. Um, and the main point of this conversation. Let's talk about the Brooklyn Nets here for a second. Uh, you're mm-hmm. working on a documentary. Uh, have been for a while. First of all, how's that going? Where are you with that? It's it's a lot of start and stops because you have to get approval from not only the Nets but you also have to get approval from the league. And we were trying to get all that approval and uh, the approval and blessings without shooting a frame of it. So now um, they didn't give it to us, but our attitude is let's start shooting a little bit. Let's get let's get some content recorded and uh, on film. Go back to them and show them what it really is going to be, and then we'll see what's going to be what. If not, we can always turn that into a very successful podcast series, uh, and, and it'll, it'll work out very, very well. But um, yeah, it, it, you learn a lot about the franchise, especially how much I love the franchise because of my days of working there and, and being around it. And just and it was at a couple of the games this year after the trade watching Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson and just seeing what it's going to be. The future could be bright, but there's, there's some hurdles in the, in the immediate future that they have to work through. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. Um, what, uh, now looking at that immediate future, uh, what are you seeing? I mean, this is obviously a team that as presently constructed is going nowhere fast. I mean, this, this is not going to be the, well, the final rendition of this roster. No, 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 no. Like, right. What this, the problem was when you initially put this team together with Kyrie Irving and uh, Kevin Durant, you wanted to bring in long, you know, I don't say lanky, but you know, players that can play multiple positions and do multiple things. And you, you bring in the Royce O'Neals, the TJ Warrens, you have some young players coming off the bench. You, you, you have uh, a Nick Claxton, you, you know, you have, you can go up and down the roster. This is, this obviously is not a final product. This was, this is a team that finished below 500 uh, since the Kyrie Irving trade. They were they've they were two games underneath the 500 mark for all the games they played the rest of the way. Uh, not saying that there's not a lot of bright spots there, but this is obviously not a finished 
uh, puzzle. And I've, you know, we've been hearing that they might go after John Collins to help complement the front line. They might want to make a move to get Damian Lillard. There's other possibilities of Siakam. It just matters where Toronto is going to go with their head coaching and whether they're going to want to clean house and start fresh and start selling pieces off or if they're going to try and rebuild with what, what they have already there. There's a lot of different things, but Spencer Dinwiddie is a, is a, is a solid point guard. He's a guy who's going to probably give you about 15 points and eight assists per game. Is that enough in the, in this, this landscape of NBA where every point guard and shooting guarders are trying to be superstars in this league? Is Cam Johnson's 16 points a game enough to boast him from being a number three, four to five option in Phoenix to being the number one to two option here in Brooklyn? I don't think so. I think Cam Johnson's a great number two, number three. Sorry, a solid number three, number four option. I think Mikel Bridges is a number two, number three option. They don't have a number one guy. They don't have a number one guy. No. I think Bridges is really, really good, though. I I like his game a ton. I think that Bridges can be a a great Robin to a Batman. The problem is there's so many many Batmans. um, There's only so many Batmans out there. And and this is a conversation. This is a sort of whole other conversation, and I apologize for it. But we're getting from that Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Steph Curry point where we're not talking about what they can do to win now. We're starting to talk about their accolades. We need to figure out who the next faces of the league are. And I don't have a definition saying that this is the guy who's carrying the league in the next generation like LeBron did. Like, there's certain players. There's certain players that we all look at. I think Jason, Jason Tatum, Luka Doncic, and Joel Embiid are probably, and Jokic. I think those four guys are sort of in that conversation. What, where do you right. put Giannis, though? Because he's sort of in between the two generations. He's not quite the Curry generation, but he's not quite the young guy either. Well, here's the thing, okay? There's certain things that you can say about certain players in this league to help solidify where their stature in, in sports whether it's football, basketball, baseball. I, when Patrick Mahomes won the Super Bowl this past year, I said that put him on an elite level because he's now got two Super Bowls under his belt. Yeah, LeBron James won two two championships with Miami, but it was always going to be with that asterisk march of it wasn't exactly his team, it was the big three. When he went back to Cleveland and won it with Cleveland, that put LeBron on another level. Mm-hmm. You know, it made him uh, that, that guy, it made him... No, not even even question anything about him anymore. Right. My thing is, who do we have in the league right now that's coming up who's not those those established stars that we just talked about that we're sitting there saying saying this is his league. I mean, is I think I think Luca is the closest thing. He's still very young, and he's clearly at the very worst one of the seven best players in the league. So, but I'm saying right now we have a little bit of time to get there. Yes. And I know you're a Laker fan, and you're going to fight me on this one, but that, and that's and that's okay. What I'm about to say, when Michael Jordan stepped down, yep, back in 1998, and the Bulls, you know, he left the Bulls, he retired a second time after the lockout. It, it was supposedly Kobe's league, but at a time where we didn't have as much access to see Kobe right. enough on the East Coast and in the Central Time. It was hard to grant Kobe the king of the castle because the majority of your NBA audience couldn't see him consistently. Remember, we're at a point where social media and YouTube and, didn't and really NBA exist ticket, yet, right. yeah, they didn't exist. It. So there was a gaping hole, and Michael came back and played with the Wizards, gave the league a little bit of boost, and then when he retired, LeBron came in, and then we, you know, we watched the journey yep. of LeBron James. Yep. 
And Kobe sort of got the shaft of that. Like the NBA wasn't going to hook their saddle to Allen Iverson. They weren't going to hook their, their saddle to Vince Carter or Tracy McGrady. They weren't. Nope. It's true. So that's, I guess my question is who's going to be able to take over that mantle once we get there. Again, it's a whole nother conversation yeah, for another yeah. time. Yeah. 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 But, it's something to think about. No, it is something to think about. All right, let's do a little football real quick. Um, before we get to the Giants, I got to ask about the news of the day uh, in case this uh, continues. Um, Aaron Rodgers finally moved to the Jets. Look, I was making this case yesterday, right during the show yesterday, uh, the report by Ian Rappaport from NFL Networks broke that they were reengaged and something could be done this week. Of course, it got done that day, like an hour, a couple hours later. Um, but... My thing was there was uh, the two sides were both pretending that they had leverage. Uh, see, I thought the Jets had – I'm sorry. I thought the Packers had all the leverage because they didn't have to trade him. They could just as soon keep him. Um, what's he going to do, sit out or the, he's going to play? Uh, the Jets needed this to happen. I mean, I, I know there's a lot of Jet fans that have mixed feelings about this, but the fact of the matter is you have Zach Wilson and a guy collecting AARP on your roster right now. You didn't have a quarterback. You did all this stuff in the offseason, a lot of it for Aaron Rodgers – uh, you you have a good roster. You have a solid coach. You have a pretty good, good executive. You're supposed to be a playoff team next year. If you came into the year with Zach Wilson, you weren't going to be a playoff team. The Jets had to do this trade, didn't they? Well, they had to do the trade, but I also think too. I think the Packers had no leverage to be honest with you, because if he retires, there's money still on the books. If he stays, you have a disgruntled star, and then you're also hurting what's who's supposed to be his heir apparent. You know this 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 eerily made me feel like uh, Brett Favre all over again. The Jets were the Jets look were, were were a quarterback away. And as soon as Derek Carr came off the came off the board, it was all bets are off. It was Rodgers or nothing, even though Lamar Jackson's still dangling out there. I think the Jets you can always say that they're a quarterback away because of the way their pieces are. Well, let's see. You know, this is what they this is the old the old adage of going in on it. You know, you're now going in on it. I think this puts them ahead of the Patriots in the division. I think this puts them in the same conversation with the Dolphins. I don't think that they're better than the Bills yet. That's going to be as time tells. We'll see how they go against Buffalo. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah, I don't like like them against Buffalo. Although, I will say Buffalo has atrophied a little bit to me. They're not quite what they were um but no i think i think when you have josh allen josh allen has become very battle tested yes. i'm not saying that aaron Rodgers, aaron Rodgers hasn't but the same conversation we had about uh patrick mahomes a few minutes ago yep. on halloween that second super bowl puts him on another level aaron's got one and yeah he's one he's thrown a couple of hail marys to win some games but I, Aaron's got a chip on his shoulder like he's got something to prove. And he would like to win a Super Bowl, and he would like to be one of those Super Bowl guys who wins a Super Bowl on two different teams. I think that would be very, very, very interesting. Yeah, it would be, it would be wild if he won it for the Jets, too. That you know, Talk about a team that would like <laughs> that would make him like a an all-time cult hero. But uh, last thing, uh, touching on the Giants real quick. I was saying yesterday, this team badly needs wide receivers. I know they have a lot of salary cap issues, but um, they brought in Waller, which should help quite a bit. Good, tight, Great tight end. But um, what do they do to get some guys who can take the top off the defense here a little bit, Randy? Well, I, I think when you look at the New York Giants right now, you have to be very careful. And you have to almost like treat it like kids with kids' gloves. Because last year, they found lightning in a bottle. They, they won a couple games, probably they shouldn't have won. And you had a very, very good motivating head coach who was able to get guys to run their head through a wall for him. Now you have to be careful that the message doesn't get stale. 
Um, they're still in salary cap hell. Look, they did a couple contracts I wasn't really, really thrilled with. I didn't love the Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton re-signings at the pricing they got those guys at. Right. They basically thanked Slayton for being a good soldier. Uh, not Slayton. Um, well, both, no, both guys. I'm Shepherd. sorry. They, 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 Shepard and Slayton for being good soldiers last year, both taking pay cuts. And Shepard being with the team. Didn't have to be there. Wondell Robinson went out with injury. After he got went down with injury, we didn't see him the rest of the year. So, you know, it's I'm not when I say we haven't seen him around the rest of the year, we haven't seen him in the locker room. We haven't seen him around the team. We haven't seen him anywhere. There's a lot of different things that go with the wide receiver position. Obviously, you want to go in the draft because you want to build your own guys. You don't want to start getting guys from other teams with high salary numbers because it just messes your cap up more. Right now, the Giants' biggest problem is they just paid another defensive player $8 million yesterday. And that money is going against the cap. And, and now they're over the cap and they haven't even gotten their draft picks and signed their guys. yet. Mm. I think the, the, what the giants might do is they might trade out of the first round. The general, the general feeling I have is they don't want to guarantee some money spots, especially when they don't have it to, to guys who are going to be unknowns. One thing they can do to free up some money is they can either cut or restructure Leonard Williams, which has not been talked about at all yet. Leonard Williams is making 32 month, 32 million this year. And if you restructure him, if you restructure him, you can get him down to 20 and you can open up $12 million and still have some more flexibility and to make some possible moves. Right. If you cut, if you cut him, you have a lot of dead money on the cap, but it still opens up some money to still make some more moves. So, and, and the other thing, he's also such a good player. You really don't want to cut him. You don't want to cut him and you want to try and keep him. Yeah, but the he's problem so is good. Everybody else is not making more than, you know, 10, 11 million, $12 million. They, they, they played games with Daniel's contract and they got it to work, but you still have to figure out what you're doing with Saquon Barkley. And that, you know, I sat in a press conference last week with Joe Sean, Joe, sorry, Joe Shane. And Joe Shane was getting annoyed with everyone asking him about Saquon Barkley. It's, it's a relatively fair question because it's $10 million and they're $4 million apart. But now if you're paying another defensive guy, $8 million, what, where are you getting this money from and how are you going to be able to pay Saquon Barkley? And there's, I think it starts and stops with Saquon. They set up Daniel for a contract where they have an out after two years. But and if you keep him after into going into year three, you owe him a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Well, you know, and I said this, and we'll kind of close with this. I, I want to get your take. I personally believe Daniel Jones had one okay year because of a great offensive coach and, in my opinion, the best running back in the NFL. I do not believe Daniel Jones is capable of a whole lot more than what he did last year. I think his best case is basically the Alex Smith category of don't screw it up. And that only works if you have a guy that the defense has to bend toward. And that guy is Barkley. I mean, to me, Daniel Jones is not a starting quarterback in the NFL without a threat like Barkley. That's my opinion. You're, you're not wrong on that, but you're also not right either. I think in the able system, uh, Josh Allen started this slow. They were contained him to do um, A, B, and C instead of going going right to, to EFG. We're just going to stick with ABC for right now, and then we'll get into EFG later. And he eventually expanded him out. You know, you had three years of Daniel being sort of reckless, and uh, you know he he was able to now be able to do that. Play you know played 16 games this year, sat the 17th game because they already clinched the playoffs. I think they're still trying to bring him along slowly. I still think the jury's out on it. I think that's why you're giving him two more years. In two more years, if you see that you're you're getting the return on him, then they're gonna they're gonna. That's why they have the opt in for those other two years where he's gonna get a, a ton of money this year and next year. It's twelve, thirteen million dollars, and then the rest of that money comes in year, years three and four. 
So you're giving yourself an out. So the quarterback position is not as much of a concern as you do of other pieces. From a draft perspective, I've been saying all along, you got your right side taken care of with uh, with Evan Neal. You got your left side taken care of Andrew Thomas. Now you really have to focus on the interior. You want to build up strength and depth in your offensive line. So if you have an injury, nothing changes. And that's still a very big, strong point. And that's one of the reasons why Eli Manning was running for 10 years of his life. <laughs> you know, True. he was able you know, people, people criticize Eli Manning for, for on how, on how he was with interceptions, everything of that sorts. People don't realize after that second Super Bowl with the Patriots starting, uh, starting in uh, 2013, Eli Manning was running for his life. Didn't have help from the offensive line. So he was still able to win games, but also <laughs> have to turn the ball over with no offensive line. All right. Well, good stuff, Randy. Hey, uh, thanks for joining us. Um, good luck on that documentary. Let us know how it goes. Thanks, sir. Appreciate it. All right, man. Have a good one. That's Randy Zelia. This is the Gary Age Show.